now turn to the passage of scripture which we read the gospel of John chapter 3 our text for this morning is verses 14 and 15 John chapter 3 and at verse 14 and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. do you worry that you're not saved you pray you seek the Lord yet nothing happens and you're growing older the years are passing and still there's this uncertainty about your state death is near that Sunday morning death came into this church and took one of our members we don't know when death will come again and it reaches young people as well as old people last February I was up in Stornoway doing some services there and met a young fellow handsome young lad 20 years of age today he's struggling for his life with cancer thankfully that boy knows the saviour if he dies he's going to be with the Lord but what about you you say I want to be saved but nothing seems to happen maybe I've had my chance there have been times when I did feel moved and concerned and worried about my soul and then I sort of forgot about it and I've been hardened maybe I'm not one of God's elect maybe there's no hope for me and yet we have here a verse which tells us that there is hope for you. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Who is that? Who's this whosoever? It's everybody. And it's you. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It's a great invitation, and it addresses everyone. It calls to each one of you, whatever your past, whatever your present, whatever your situation, whatever your sins, and whatever the times that you have 
hardened your heart in the past. God's word says to you today, Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. There's just one essential, and that is that you must believe. First today, I would like us to think about your need. And you're a needy person because a serpent has bitten you. The Bible tells us about that old serpent, the devil and Satan. Do you remember how he came to our first parents in the Garden of Eden? The first human couple, Adam and Eve. And Satan, in the form of a serpent, slithered up to Eve and said to her, Hath God said, You may not eat of every tree that is in the garden? Has God really said that? Trying to cast a doubt. You shall not surely die. Don't worry, you won't die. But you'll be like God and you'll know good and evil. And then you'll be something that you're not and God is trying to keep something good from you. And the devil is whispering in Eve's ear, that serpent the devil, stretch out your hand and take this fruit. It looks good. It'll taste good. And it'll make you like God. Subtle, poisonous. Eve listened, took the fruit, and gave to Adam, and he also ate. And what was the result? Sin, misery, and death. And ever since then, men and women have been dying. The poison of Satan the serpent has been put into the human race. So that ever since then we're dying and from the moment that we're born we're dying people. And it's just a matter of time. Some a little bit longer, others shorter. But we're all dying. Your need. If we go on a little bit in the history of God's revelation in the Bible we find the children of Israel leaving the land of Egypt. God has taken them out of this place where they were in bondage and in captivity, where they were slaves. He has delivered them and he's leading them through the wilderness to the promised land. And at a certain point going through the wilderness, they're finding the way very difficult and there's no water and there's no bread, no food apart from this manna. And they're getting fed up of this manna, this light bread, this bread that God was sending down from heaven to them. This light bread. This manna. And there's no water and the way is hard God, why has God done this to us? And why did he take us out of, the, out of the land of Egypt to die in the desert? 
God so hard and God so cruel and God so nasty and God has done this to us and he's leaving us here to die in the desert. What a miserable existence we have and we were far better when we were in Egypt, Egypt even although we were slaves there. Why God are you doing this? You're cruel to us. God heard their grumblings and their discontentedness. God who had been so good to them. And what did he do? He sent fiery serpents amongst them. He was angry with their disobedience. With their grumbling and discontentedness. Just as he gets angry with our discontentedness too. And these serpents bit them. And many of them died. And others were sick and dying. And they realized how wrong they were. And how at the end of the day, how dependent we are on God. We can shout in his face and we can spit in his face, but at the end of the day, what are we? We're in his hand. And we have no rights of our own that we can claim. We are the creatures he has made. And he's made us to glorify him. And if we rebel against him. He has every right to punish us. The Israelites realized how vulnerable their position was. They realized how wrong it was to grumble in this way against the God. The God who had been so good to them too. Who was delivering them from bondage. Who was providing them with their essentials and delivering them from their enemies. And would one day take them into the promised land. And so they came to Moses and said, we're sorry. Pray for us. They began to repent and Moses began to pray for them too. And together they turned to the Lord and pleaded with the Lord for mercy. And God is merciful. God is love. God is so good. And God said to Moses, Make a serpent of brass, just like these serpents that are biting you, and put it on a pole in the middle of the camp, so that every Israelite who is bitten will be able to turn and to look at the serpent on the pole. And the moment they look, they shall be healed. The Israelites, they were in need. They were bitten in the wilderness. And then you come on to us today. We too are attacked by the serpent. He's so cunning. He slithers up behind us. He whispers in our ears. We don't notice him coming. And he's tempting us. And he's saying to us, eat some forbidden fruit. Do something. And we know we shouldn't. And our conscience says, don't do it. And he's whispering and he's saying, do it, do it, do it. And he's saying to us, no one's watching. No one will see you. It's all right. You're in secret here. You're private. There's nobody looking on. 
God is looking on and God sees and he says you'll enjoy it it'll be a good experience you'll feel good it'll make you happy come on do it but it's forbidden and it's sin but then he says it's not really sin there's nothing wrong with it it's quite justifiable it's all right really it's not really a sin you know how you argue away in your own mind like that and the devil's encouraging you in the argument it's not really sin God doesn't mind or he whispers in your ear and he says it's just a little sin so what a little sin nobody's perfect it's just a little sin yes but there's no such thing as a little sin against a great God you can only get a little sin if it's against a little God but our God's a great God so even to break one of the least of his commandments is an enormous sin but then he says Satan says but other people do it and it's quite a common thing and even good people do it and I know so and so who did this and that other person did that good people do it it's common it's all right but the fact that good people as Rabbi Duncan put it good people have crooked legs and good people have stiff joints but that doesn't make crooked legs and stiff joints something desirable something good the fact that good people sin doesn't make sin any better the fact that it's a common sin that will not excuse us either then the devil's great argument is well even if it is a sin Jesus died on the cross for sinners all you have to do is ask for forgiveness and it'll be all right the blood of Jesus Christ God's son cleanses us from all sin doesn't the Bible say that let us continue in sin that grace may abound there's always forgiveness God is love he doesn't mind he'll forgive us and so the grace of God and the love of God is turned into an excuse for sin and that's terribly wicked it's terribly blasphemous to take God's love and his grace and to use it as an excuse for our own sin and wickedness the serpent is there and every one of us in this church today knows the serpent he comes to each one of us with his temptations and he knows how to get into our mind and to whisper in the inner recesses of our heart and you and I have to beware of him 
We're needy because we've already been bitten by the serpent. We've already sinned. Poisoned, dying, perishing. That's the situation of man in this world. Secondly, I want us to think of God's provision. First we saw God's need, first we saw our own need, and now God's provision. In the Garden of Eden, God said to the woman, The seed, your seed, the seed of the woman, shall bruise the head of the serpent. You're going to have a son. Do you know what he's going to do? He's going to stand on the snake's head and crush it. And that's what our Lord Jesus Christ did at Calvary. The seed of the woman will crush the serpent's head. God's provision. The children of Israel were going through the wilderness grumbling against God. God sent his fiery serpents amongst them. They were bitten, they were sick, they were dying. God said, make a serpent of brass, put it on a pole. And the Israelite, every Israelite who looked to the serpent of brass was immediately healed. God's provision, providing a way of escape. You and I getting into a mess. But God, he provides the way out of the mess in his grace and love. But if the Israelite wouldn't look to the, to the serpent of brass, the Israelite wouldn't be healed. And so we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, another serpent. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Christ must be lifted up on a pole too. And he says, I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. If I'm lifted up, just as Moses lifted up the brazen serpent, I will draw people away from their sin and away from their misery and their hell to salvation. Jesus compared to a serpent here. That's very strange. We think of Jesus as more like a lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah. The lion that will fearlessly face his enemies. We think of him as a lamb. A lamb meek and lowly. Led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep dumb before her shearers, so he opened not his mouth. We think of him as the suffering lamb, the sacrificial lamb, dying on the cross. But here Jesus is spoken of as a serpent. And yet, 
not a poisonous, a nasty and vicious serpent, but rather as the serpent of brass, a picture of the healing one. The one who wrestles with that old serpent, the devil and Satan, and who takes the poison out of Satan, who himself knows what it is to have the fangs of Satan put into him, who died on the cross and so has taken the poison out of Satan and has provided a way of escape and of salvation for you and me. Through death he destroyed him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and delivered them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. He delivers and he destroys the devil and his power. God's provision. The Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, your privilege and your responsibility. When God said to our first parents in the Garden of Eden, the seed of the woman shall bruise or crush the head of the serpent, God was giving a lifeline to mankind. And God was saying to them, I'm throwing you out of the garden. You've listened to the serpent. You're dead spiritually and you're going to die eternally in hell. But I give you a lifeline. There's one going to be born. One who's going to destroy the power of Satan. Put your faith in this seed of the woman. And this child will be born to a woman. To the Virgin Mary. And you will be saved. When the Israelites were dying in the desert and God gave them the serpent of brass, God was saying to them, you have sinned and you deserve to perish, but I'm a God of love and in my mercy I give you a way of escape. And this serpent on the pole, this brass serpent, it's a picture for you. Look to it. But not just look to it, but look to the one of whom it speaks, the great Messiah, who will save men and women. And now, at the beginning of the Gospel, Jesus says, to this man Nicodemus this teacher of the Jews just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so must I the son of man be lifted up but whosoever believeth in him in me should not perish but have everlasting life look to Christ and you won't perish despite having listened to Satan so often and being bitten by him and poisoned by him and despite being on the broad road to a lost eternity and by nature without God and without hope Jesus is lifted up on the cross 
And if you look to him, you'll be healed. Where are you to look? Look at the cross. But the cross is an empty cross. And the tomb is an empty tomb. Christ is no longer on the cross. And Christ is no longer in a grave in Palestine. He's in heaven at God's right hand. And he says, look unto me and be saved. All ye ends of the earth, wherever you are, even in the most distant corners of the world, look to me and be saved. And how do we look to Jesus? When we look in prayer. And when we look in asking and seeking from him salvation. Praying to him and trusting in him. In him who had victory over Satan. And who destroyed the devil through his death on the cross. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Do you want to be saved? Do you want to get to heaven? Do you want to be at peace with God? Do you want your sins forgiven? Do you want to be healed from the poison of Satan? Whosoever believeth in him. And that's very wide. Whoever you are. Whatever your past criminal, a thief, a murderer, child abuser, doesn't matter what you wear or what you are. Whosoever, even if you're the worst of sinners, whosoever. Oh, but you say, I've had so many privileges and I've had such a good upbringing. I think maybe the time has passed for me. I'm too late. So often I've hardened my heart in the past. Whosoever. Even you. Did you say, I'm a Pharisee. I'm so self-righteous. And doesn't Jesus say in his word that he came not to, to call the righteous but sinners to repentance? Whosoever. Whoever you are. Whoever you are who are aware of your need. Whoever you are who are aware of the desperate situation you're in. Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. And you're lost today. Then you say, he doesn't answer me. And I pray to him. And I ask him to save me. And nothing happens. Maybe I'm not of the elect. Maybe there's no hope for me. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That whosoever means you. Whoever you are today and whatever your situation, if you look to Jesus, if you pray to him, if you ask him into your heart, if you cast yourself upon him. He was raised up on the cross 
just as Moses lifted up the brass serpent in the wilderness so that you would look to him and be saved and every single person who looks to Jesus and who prays to Jesus and who puts their trust in him shall be saved whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and that includes you so friend why don't you look to Christ today and call upon him and ask of him salvation and when you pray remind God that it says in this verse whosoever and that means you and God will save you because he's promised let us pray O Lord our God help us to appreciate the gospel that is put before us in thy word the way of salvation that is so clearly enunciated there Thou hast given us a Saviour, unworthy though we are, rebels though we be, followers of the devil by nature, and belonging to his kingdom and to his religion. Yet there is hope even for rebels like us, transgressors. There is hope because Jesus died on the cross, he was raised up there so that we might look to him and trust in him. So that we might pray to him and experience healing for our own souls. O Lord, come and do thou heal us of the poison of sin and of Satan. And grant to us that we would know something of the surge of health going through our veins that we might know something of the peace of God, the peace that passes knowledge in our own hearts and conscience and experience, that assurance of God's love that thou dost give, God's Spirit witnessing with our spirit that we are the children of God, enabling us to cry, Abba, Father, pardon us our sins for Jesus' sake. Amen.